to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion, Election Edition. This evening, we are joined by candidate for Hilliard City Council, Emily Cole. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you here. I'm joined to my left by my good friend, Tim Hoffman. Good evening. Traditional and uh, trademark, patent pending, all those things, uh, Halloween greeting. And Kevin Corvo. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's evening. Excellent. It's Excellent. evening somewhere. Point. The, man is point. the man is pointing to his watch. Well, uh, we are kicking off our sixth installment of the election edition special. This is our first year operating as the Hilliard Beacon, and we're trying very hard to make sure that we get every candidate who's interested in being in front of the microphone and having a long-form interview opportunity uh, that chance to do so. And uh, tonight we're joined by Emily. Uh, and to kind of give you a little bit of insight into uh, what we hope to do and the kind of environment we're hoping to engender with these type of interviews, I'm going to hand it over to Tim, and he's going to go through kind of our thoughts behind this process when we were putting it together. Tim, take it away. Right. So the purpose of what we're doing here today and on the other days is to give every person who is a candidate running for public office in Hilliard a chance to sit down in a non-time-bound matter manner uh, to talk about what's important to you, why you're running. Uh, we have some questions for you that we will ask. Hopefully you will answer them. Uh, but the idea <laughs> is a comfortable place. Um, you know, we uh, respect anyone who wants to take on the responsibility of public office uh, at the municipal level. We think it's a cool thing for people to do. And we want to make sure that um, Folks who are headed to the polls have an opportunity to hear from you what you're about, what you care about, uh, how you feel about the things that are important to our city right now. And so, um, you know, the idea is to have sort of a convivial uh, fraternal uh, or you know, whatever the gender neutral version of fraternal <laughs> is. We'll All get right. there. So it's an it's a long form interview. So you can say there you go. So you can say so. Thank Here you. We go. All right. Nailing it. Nailed I think the longer it. we go, the more we're mutating a little bit, and I think we're, we're really getting somewhere with this this non-traditional opening we tend to do. Mm. So, Emily, uh, welcome in. Uh, is this your uh, uh, first time to be interviewed before seeking elected office? Yes. Um, <laughs> I've been interviewed for work before, but I've never been interviewed other than by Mr. Corvo as a candidate, and that was a Facebook message interview. I don't know if that's... An that Is counts. that an interview? It's correspondence. <laughs> um, so, yes, first-time candidate, first-time podcaster, first-time interviewee. Um, so um, I'm learning in the deep end, I think, right now. Are you doing great already? Yeah. <laughs> I can doggy paddle, We're too. Good. Learning in the deep end. Tell us about it. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> typically we turn to you for a first question, and you just rolled right in from I a full did. day of teaching. So Let's please uh, hit us with something right off the top, if you well, don't mind. I'll keep it simple in general, Emily. Uh, what, what inspired you and motivated you uh, to take on the challenge and the responsibility of uh, what can be a seat on Hilliard City Council? And indeed, jumping in the deep end of what will still be a deep swimming pool, I think, in January. Yes. Uh, among the other council members who will be seat who might be seated next to you, uh, what what inspired you? What what motivated you? Yeah, great question. I love too how you ask it about the responsibility. Um, I think that that's a piece that some people forget. Um, running for office is a not only an honor and a privilege, but it is a responsibility uh, to do my best to talk with everyone in Hilliard and make sure that. Um, <clears throat> 
I'm reaching people who have questions or concerns or needs. I'm a working mom. Um, so we're homeowners in Old Hilliard. And uh, my son, my oldest, goes to Avery Elementary. My youngest is four years old at Kiwis Clubhouse um, every day. And watch that get built? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, we actually walked by in a stroller. I had like a double stroller throughout the pandemic and walked all through Old Hilliard and all around Kiwis Clubhouse and all those other things. Um, I ran for office because I felt like we needed more people who were willing to um, put politics aside and focus on building community. And I felt like I was one of those people. Um, that's what I do, not only for a living, but it's kind of what I've done my whole life. Um, I grew up in the Northern Virginia area, so I've seen the worst of politics living next door to DC um, <laughs> and look forward to- Lobbyists and arms uh, <clears throat> contractors, I think, right? Uh, any Vir and Northern all, Virginia? Yeah, the swamp. Mm. I mean, like all that. And that is true for the mosquitoes, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is real. Um, and so I ran for office because I felt like it was an opportunity for me to advocate more for our community, um, advocate more for my kids, and try and take on some of that responsibility of building a Hilliard where we all have what we need to thrive. There's a variety of the candidates that have kids uh, and that have mentioned their the, the desire to be involved in the shaping and helping it grow grow the city at this time specifically because of their kids and the future they see for them in Hilliard schools, in Hilliard as a city. Could you talk a little bit more about uh, families, like what you think is makes Hilliard attractive, what you think you can do through city council potentially to continue attracting family growth in Hilliard? Yeah, um, so we bought our home in Hilliard for a reason. Um, so soon after my husband and I got married, we, um, at that time, were living up in Dublin, um, and then we moved into South Hilliard, so the Columbus Hilliard, if you will, that, like, bottom rim. Um, and then when we were ready to really settle down into what we call our forever home um, for at least the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years. Um, Depends on what those interest rates wind up being. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so we <laughs> we thought we want to be somewhere that's walkable but close for commuting. Um, we want to be somewhere where the schools are excellent and we feel like we're setting up our children for success. We want to be somewhere where there are family-owned businesses and where there is a diversity of thought, a diversity in culture, um, and a diversity in opportunities for our kids. That was my favorite part about growing up in Northern Virginia is most of the people in the classroom with me didn't look like me, weren't born near me, um, didn't have parents with the same jobs. You know, everyone had a different background, and I, I felt like I learned so much in that environment, and I really wanted to raise my family somewhere kind of as similar as we could get. Um, and so we settled into Old Hilliard and love it. And we've become really active in the community. So we're in the faith community. We're members of the Hilliard United Methodist Church. Um, my oldest son is in Cub Scouts, and my youngest son goes to every meeting because he desperately wishes he, too, were in Cub Scouts already. He's got his eye on that uh, that scarf and merit badge. Absolutely. He's beyond prepared. Even did the overnight camp out. So we are ready. I think you need to remind him that the motto is be prepared, not beyond prepared. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and so, <coughs> yeah, I, I got more connected in with um, community development and what is going on here in Hilliard. And I say that not in the contentious development way, but more in the community building and opportunities to learn more about um, different people who live here and, and the different cultures they come from and really thought that maybe that was something that I could help support on Hilliard City Council. Um, and so very honored to be running. Not quite sure what I'm doing half the time um, since this, I am a first time candidate, but I like to tell people I'm a decade long community builder. Um, yeah. I know that part of your background is with Ohio Families United, mm -hmm. PAC. I don't think it's actually a political action committee. It's not. Right. It's just it's a part of the further uh, acronym, which stands for what again? Uh, Ohio Political Fam Action and Change. Political Action Change. Thank you. Talk a little bit about that part of your uh, professional path and what it was like to be at the founding level of an organization that you had to bring different people together, build those coalitions, and work to reinforce them. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, it's I'm a communicator. I'm sure that's not a surprise already into the interview. Um, but I also I love people, and so I went to grad school at Ohio State. After that, I worked for the Health Policy Institute of Ohio and a lot of um, advocacy for healthy communities. Um, and then we started our family. And I did more on the back end with consulting and grant writing and resource development um, for health centers. Uh, and then during the pandemic, all the federal grants dried up because they were indefinitely extended, which was wonderful for them and challenging for me, given mm -hmm. that that was part of what I did. Um, and so your access to your job essentially was cut off. Correct. So I was a a full-time mom and I had a little bit too much time on my hands too. Um, so I started volunteering wherever folks, wherever I could plug in online. Um, we kept it very safe during the pandemic because my youngest son was a newborn then. He was, well, not quite a newborn. He was six months old and had spent um, four days in the PICU at Children's right before COVID hit um, with RSV. And we were told the best thing we could do was not contract anything that could further damage his lungs. So we took it really seriously. Critical um, time on top of a dangerous situation. Yeah, it was it was stressful and a big challenge and growth opportunity for our family, I would say. Um, I will always be grateful for that extra time with my kids when they were that small. Sure. Um, and getting to spend so much time with them. And so once we kind of fell into a groove, I started volunteering virtually quite a bit and got connected with families across Ohio who um, had had a loved one who was killed during an interaction with police. Um, and so started working with them on things that they thought could have helped either for their what happened with their loved one um, or gun violence in their communities. And so they have a nonprofit, a 501c3, and we were doing a lot of work on advocacy and policies that they wanted to develop. Um, policies, my jam. I love it. Um, and I love advocacy. And so that was where I almost helped them build the car so they could drive it. And as we went down that road, felt like we needed more flexibility. So we started OFU PAC, which is still a nonprofit, but it's a 501c4, which means you can do unlimited advocacy at the state house. Um, and at the city councils or things like that, which we don't do, but it, it is an option. Um, and so 
I run it. That is my day-to-day job. I'm the executive director, and I get to work with families every day who want to build safe communities in Ohio. Um, We work with law enforcement. We work with policymakers. We work with other community organizations, and um, I built them a statewide coalition that works on reform and accountability so that everyone feels safe in the community. What's it like going into the state house? Because I saw you on television giving a public address testimony. Oh, yeah. I think it was back around special election time. I sure did. And it was uh, talk a little bit about that experience, what it was like uh, addressing that body on policy, seeking the kind of synthesis and change you wanted mm-hmm. and and what your goals were and how how effective you felt going through that process because we as we know the state house here enjoys a very well-earned reputation as being very uh monolithic mm-hmm. and uh not open to change uh especially from the left side of the political perspective or anything seeking reform around uh police involvement or, or anything of that nature so why don't you talk a little bit about that and how you feel that process went and how you how effective you felt going through it yeah what i've learned the most through this process is there's no permanent friends no permanent enemies so there might be a legislator where if i go in to talk about voting rights i will get a, a wall But if I go in, um, for example, some of the legislators who work the most with us are former law enforcement, um, and they agree that perhaps there are some extra standards or training or things that more law enforcement need in order to better care for the community that they're serving um, and develop more trust in the community. And so those have been our most successful relationships, actually. And I think that's probably a surprise to some people, but um, we have great law enforcement officers here in Ohio, and we have some who are not so great. And so it's how do we build the systems that everyone feels safe in um, and where everyone feels like they understand the expectations, they have adequate resources and knowledge and skills to do the job. Um, or to receive the job, right, if you're in the community. It's something I talk a lot about. Um, I think people would be surprised to hear me say that Hilliard Police Department sets the standard in the state, and I absolutely mean that. Hmm. They are well above and beyond any kind of minimum recommendation for police departments. Um, In fact, when I took the different sets of policies and procedures and data that they publicly put on right on the website and showed it to some of our families. They were so awed that they actually took those to other departments and said, this is what we expect of you. Um, Hmm. And, and I've never, I've never had to work in Hilliard. Um, I don't foresee ever having to work in Hilliard professionally. None of our families are from Hilliard. Um, And all the families I've spoken with are so impressed with the different policies we have in place for accountable, transparent, and really community-based policing. Can you give an example of a policy that we have uh, at the Hilliard Police Department that is an example of something that happens here that doesn't happen elsewhere that's a, you know, part of that good example? 
Yes. Um, so we have a mandatory pursuit policy that all our officers are trained on, and that is actually not in the Ohio Revised Code. It's not a standard. So um, it's not. A lot of danger around high speed pursuits. A lot right. of danger. High speed and foot pursuits. Um, and Hilliard Police just do that. We have that policy. The officers know it. And um, another thing that they do that I think is really amazing in terms of trying to build trust in the community is they publish all their use of force data every year and they analyze it and they they flag if something is for example not in line with their policies i think they had one instance in 2019 that was it hmm. um, and it's an annual report that they put out uh, that is not the norm um, when we've requested use of force data from departments elsewhere it is at best pulling teeth um for good i understand why right they they don't want people to be targeted for things um hilliard police puts it all out there they analyze it by the type of stop something happened or the type of call that came in on 911 um the racial breakdown geographic breakdown it is truly above and beyond and part of what i would like to support on council um is actually further supporting our police because they set the standard for things that I wish we did around the state. Well, that um, that data, that information's a little bit tighter. We haven't seen a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin, you've had a long relationship with Hilliard Police through your reporting career and had nothing but good things to say about <clears throat> administration, right. leadership, and organization of the body. I'll say anecdotally that when we had the recent uh, incident in uh, Beacon in the neighborhood that I thought, the chief's handling of that was about as good as it gets really yes um in the in the immediate aftermath of something like that where the 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 shock of of a of a situation of that nature can be overwhelming yes uh, i thought it was handled really well from that perspective um i think maybe as a leading edge community and in, in those type of organizations in, mm -hmm. in the police department there are opportunities like that for people to kind of explore further evolutions of what it means to be a police force in the 21st century, mm -hmm. um, you know, working with and through the community to ensure as much safety as you possibly can. Uh, we've talked to other folks about the number of uh, school resource officers and the way that they've diversified that program. Mm -hmm. Brian Perry talked a little bit about the differences in officer levels that now work in that program. Um, we talked also about the potential for maybe diversifying the police force into different response types. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that's been discussed at various levels nationally, uh, and it's kind of like a leading edge proposal as far as uh, policing is concerned. What are some of those things that you, that you think, uh, knowing your overall work with police forces throughout the state, mm -hmm. what do you think might be on in I'm sorry, on, in, or <laughs> in the cards for Hilliard? Great question. Um, one thing I, too, want to say is uh, Hilliard's prioritization of mental health and wellness of the police force and just emergency services in general is another gold standard. Um, it's something that we beg for other departments to offer. And when <clears throat> I saw, you know, the case you're referencing in Beacon, um, not only was the chief statement so centering of the family and how traumatizing this is just for the neighborhood and the community, but to also 
already have mental health opportunities in place for responders who needed that support or others in the department. Um, I was very impressed. Quick intervention can make a difference in those kind of things. Absolutely. Um, And I know that the chief worked with the city's staff. I was sitting in a council meeting and heard them celebrate a new mental health grant for emergency services so that they can offer that. I I may be incorrect about the details. I want to say it's um, so they can offer that as like a fairly ongoing and as often as needed, you know, no stigma attached mental health. Um, fantastic. So that's something where if I were elected, I would love to help them make that a permanent program. Um, I more than most people know how finicky grant funding can sometimes be. Um, and so I think that's one area where I have a lot of those good relationships in the state house, um, and with different, uh, you know, departments in the governor's office where maybe that's somewhere I can help, um, you know, to make sure that that is a permanent focus. I trust the chief's perspective on other things that they may need, and I think that the proof is in the pudding and how fantastically they collaborate in the community. So I'd love to sit down with him and learn more about what he does need from council and what he doesn't. Um, I'm very curious in alternative responses to mental health calls or ride-alongs with social workers. I know that there are pilot programs across the state that we're studying to see whether those are effective. Um, and whether folks get, you know, the resources they need. And that's something I would love to know his thoughts on, on whether that seems like something, maybe it's not something we need in Hilliard, um, but I'd I'd just love to learn more. Right. I think exploring beyond the idealized version of everything is where things need to go when you're getting down to the nitty-gritty of municipal organization governance and deciding how to move forward, applying for those recurring funds and things like that. Just a quick follow-on question on that policing issue. We did a story kind of several months ago about the city's uh, adoption of flock uh, plate reader cameras. Mm -hmm. There was also a call at that time to move into facial recognition camera territory. And I didn't know, given your involvement in policing and reform and things like that, if you were aware of how regularly uh, those cameras are returning false identifications for black people Mm -hmm. and individuals uh, in crime profiling, essentially. Would you be willing to say one way or another where you would come down on the use of those type of cameras and that type of policy? Yeah. um, So from what I've understood, so the attorney general, Dave Yost, is actually doing a similar type of pilot program in the Dayton area where they are taking people's ring cameras and using facial recognition um, to try and uh, geolocate people in real time. that is concerning to me um it's concerning to me what you're discussing about the facial recognition software i would love to be wrong about that but the data for now um i can't get behind that um i i hope to be wrong i would love to hear from the chief if that is something they're exploring and if so how we can advocate for the safety of all of Hilliard's residents through that process um, because oh the other thing we do a really good job of I didn't mention is like trying to do racial bias free policing and (coughs) if the data is clear that those things perpetuate racial bias I think that that's a problem and counter to the policy Um, so those are conversations I'd love to have more but in general I, I I find any kind of 
geolocating of people to be concerning and it i don't know sounds like a sci-fi tv show to me a little I bit i recently saw a thread on twitter where somebody had put together a back-end piece of software that could and perhaps this was a fake doing something that was making use of uh, already existing paired picture images and video footage but yes the idea that you could just sweep through uh, available video to try to find the origin point of a photograph using system learning or AI or whatever you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. One of those very concerning things, especially with how these networks function together yeah. or in the data selling and the buying of all that stuff and proprietal information that uh, fraught with fraught with integrity issues uh, up and down. Let's turn a little bit to community input. That was one of the things that you emphasized in your Meet the Candidate yes. uh, night answers. You were uh, often des describing the desire to seek community input. The cities developed this matrix of things involving smallish or smaller in-person meetings mm -hmm. uh, for feedback and, and committees uh, to, to move through different processes like the community plan. Yep. Uh, and a blend of surveys, online tools. As mm -hmm. you mentioned, when you were going through the changeover to Zoom through COVID, yes. those tools really jumped to the fore of how we relate and interact. Overall, how would you rate the effectiveness of those things for really organizing mm -hmm. the kind of local efforts that are needed to make lasting change? And do you feel that uh, there are further evolutions to take place? And would you play a part in those changes? Yeah, um, I think that I want to say off the top that I think that the city doesn't get enough credit for how professionally they work to serve Hilliard. Um, and that has been the most unfortunate part of, I think, what has happened with the confusion around the community plan is perhaps we've lost sight of the people who worked so hard to put that together with resident feedback, doing the best they could in a post-pandemic age. Um, are there opportunities to improve both the plan and how we gather community input? Yes, um, and that is actually one of my focuses, and it's something that I mentioned with Miss um, Crandall. I had the opportunity to sit down with her one-on-one, -on -one, which was incredibly informative, um, and I would love to see more almost community-based commissions. Um, so I think that, that per, some of the kerfluffle around the plan, if you will, um, especially online, is valid in that it shows that we did not, as a city, do enough to communicate with residents if there's this much confusion about the plan that passed. Mm. Um, and to me, that's an opportunity, right, to do it better. Um, I think that neighborhood-based meetings is one way to do that. Um, and so I would love to be part of that. I suggested it to Miss Crandall, and she had said that um, if I were to win, which I certainly hope I do, um, perhaps through Parks and Rec, that could be like a subcommittee that I were to help put together. I would love to spearhead that. Um, similar to that, I would love to set up a youth council um, through Parks and Rec because I think there are opportunities for the city, especially as we grow and have the well and all these things going in. Are we doing enough to engage with uh, younger residents? I'm thinking of not only teens, but young adults um, and offering the kind of opportunities they want so that we have 
people with a higher income base wanting to settle in Hilliard. Yes, really see the future, yes. see a future here. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really am a firm believer in all opinions on an issue are valid, even if I don't always agree with them. And to me, more than anything, what the intensity around the community plan has shown is there are a lot of concerns that um, if I were elected, I'll say we on council need to address um, and need to answer. And I don't think ignoring them solves that problem. I think it further alienates people who are saying they want to come to the table. So I, I think we should open the table. And I don't know what necessarily the best way to do that is, but I would love to be part of it. Yeah, I have said to numerous people in here seeking office the same thing about our little operation. It suited us just fine that the community plan got centered in this election because it was an invitation to us mm -hmm. to get more serious about understanding how all this stuff fits together, the yeah. pieces and parts, and what the overall plan was because that's what it needs to be. It's a 10-year plan. Mm -hmm. It's got conceptual written all over it in every font, format, and place it can cram it. Yes. And what it's supposed to be, in my estimation, and what it was the last time they made one and the time before that that they made one, is a plan that provides guide rails, guidelines, and mm -hmm. guidance. Uh, what you're suggesting is we didn't, or the city, rather, as a base of residents, as a group of people trying to put one of these things together— do a good enough job collecting a broad enough pool mm -hmm. uh, to provide that groundswell of information, but also to get people in at the ground floor. Yeah. We've talked here before about how it's very frustrating to see council meetings and various official functions where we're supposed to see smooth functioning government bodies going about the people's business yeah. get trapped in final desperate moments that could have been avoided by a more robust involvement in the structures that are uh, shaping their lives and yeah. shaping our lives as a community. So I think what you're pointing to is these neighborhood planning groups and these organizations that would come about meet in a recurring fashion. I go on about this stuff all the time, but it truly is that way of taking a disorganized body of city residents mm -hmm. that the entire government administration is there sitting underneath them, organized to serve them, and trying to provide organization to that group of residents. Yeah. Because disorganized advice or you know, uninformed organized advice or misinformed advice is uh, just as damaging to an, a smooth functioning process as it is to the actual community. It cuts in a lot of different directions, and most of those I find are negative. So I appreciate your advocacy for improved communication, seeking broader uh, input yeah. in, those, in those ways. And I fully advocate for the use of commissions and committees existing on that level within city government to explore these kind of topics. So yeah. I really appreciate the suggestion that that would continue if you were uh, elected. On the doorstep, that you've been out soliciting that community yes. opinion, what would you say is your number one issue that's been brought up by people that are just coming straight to you when you say, what's bothering you or what do you love about Hilliard? What are they saying to you? Yeah, um, it's interesting. The tone has changed. So I would say up until Save Hilliard became a, a billboard, um, 
mostly what I heard is I would love to see more trails. I would love to see an expansion of the trails. And I would say, wonderful. Did you know that's actually a priority of the cities too? Talk to me about what you're hoping to see because yeah, if Parks it's and not, Rec expanded yes. budget. You already voted for the tax increase, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's in the community plan that was passed by council. Um, Become a trail town. Mm. Yes, That's which I fully support. And um, it's kind of funny, my husband cycles. And so ever since I said I was running, he was like, bike lanes, bike lanes. And I was like, yeah. can't be biased towards you. But now I can say, look at all these other people that also want bike lanes and connecting the rail to trail. Um, since the Save Hilliard campaign has come out, um, I've gotten a lot of very valid questions asking me, um, I guess there have been some candidates who have told people that I want to bulldoze their house. Um, that's just a lie. It doesn't seem like something you would... Not only do I not know how to drive the bulldozer. <laughs> right. OSHA violations. Um, I don't like the shutters on this one. That right. Go. And it, but it's a, you know, and we can laugh about it, but it's a super valid concern. I totally no, yes. understand why that would be alarming if you heard that I was driving a bulldozer up Avery Road. Everyone in my family would be alarmed too because we live there. Do you have the licensure to drive a bulldozer? I do not, um, oh, nor on. do I think I would Even pass the concerning. test. I am a figure eight in the yard with the lawnmower kind of person. So. Zero, zero turn, huh? All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that I've spent a lot of time helping folks um, go on to the city's website and see the plan for themselves to the point where um, I've started picking up the FAQs and I carry them with me so that people can, you know, let's go through and find your question here. And if we don't find it, I recommend you go here or I try and help. Um, and I think that it's both a wonderful use of my time because I've gotten to know so many amazing people who I didn't know that lived down the street from me. And it's so sad because I bet that they had other issues that are not based on falsehoods that we didn't talk about because we were talking about Save Hilliard. And, yeah, you're clearing and, up other stuff and you don't get to talk about the actual concerns. Sure. So part of me is like, what do I do post-election? You know, I'm going to say when I win. I'm going to be optimistic. Hey. Um, when I win to circle back with those folks and say, now that we've affirmed that this is not a thing, tell me about what you wanna see. Um, and I learned something really interesting last night. There was the League of Women Voters did a Meet the Candidates event at the library. And I got to speak with one gentleman after who um, came up to me and I, I did not think he was feeling me at all because I was watching him through the crowd when I spoke and I was like, Good he, eye contact, good eye contact, yes. good eye contact. Whoa. And I was like, he's not into it, and that is okay. Um, but then he came up to me after, and he said, I don't always agree with your opinions, but I agree with your integrity, and I want you to know that this is something I'm concerned about on the east side of Hilliard. And I said, please tell me more. Gave him my email address. Um, I hope to hear from him really soon because he said he feels like um, – he, too, is a resident of Hilliard, and no one even thinks about their neighborhood anymore because everyone is actually believing that there's something to save an old Hilliard. Um, so he felt like he wasn't heard throughout this process, and that, to me, is such a shame um, because every candidate 
should be out there talking to as many voters as possible with the truth. I am a firm believer in fact-based decision-making, and I refuse to compromise on that. And I cannot abide by people who will misconstrue the truth in order to further their political will. I spend too much time in the state house with that already um, and refuse to tolerate it in our city government. I mentioned it. Uh, I think that it's a it's a perfect kind of microcosm encapsulation of the choice to run on such polarizing language. Yeah. To create a slate environment to use uh, a fairly vague platform language yeah uh, that's if you look at the community plan if you look at all the things that are referenced in the community plan if you look at the materials that were reproduced for uh, the save hilliard website Mm -hmm. and i've mentioned this before and i've used some of these images on our own uh articles and our own uh audio companions there are snipped out yeah. The disclaimers about the conceptual nature of all this stuff and how it will go through that public process and how yeah. it will go through all the planning and zoning processes. And the reason why I believe that a lot of people, unfortunately, are coming to you with the um, mistaken belief that a bulldozer is coming for their front yard is that that is so out of keeping with how they know things to normally proceed, that it's alarming. Mm, sure. And it's so out of keeping with how things normally proceed is because that's not how things normally proceed. Mm-hmm. And it's not how it would proceed under the most apocalyptic development conditions you Mm-mm. could imagine where people are storming the city hall every morning at 8 a.m. to <laughs> submit plans and buying do- buying huge parcels. Uh, and it's not as bad as the other way either where nothing's happening. Yeah. We've seen a lot of heat build up around this. I've been asking for more information on each of those talking points as the people come through. I will continue okay. to ask for more information on those talking points because I believe absent that follow-up, mm-hmm. uh, it's not substantive enough uh, of an explanation. But um, that's what these elections do. They isolate and show people uh, what is politically useful yeah. Without providing necessarily the underlying ability for these things to not come up at all. Like we've talked about before with neighborhood planning groups, with city council representation. Here, we say uh, a city council person represents the entire city because they're elected by the entire mm-hmm. city. If we were to uh, convert to wards, yet still mm-hmm. remain in an entire citywide election and just assign council people to wards so that they're rotating through these wards and they're going to all these different individual meetings Mm -hmm. and all these things are happening in a recurring way, they're not going to have people who don't feel uh, that access to government until they have to make a desperate plea or join a a political action that maybe I agree with this element of it, maybe I don't agree with that element of it, but they have to make a choice because they feel they they are disenfranchised from the overall process. So seeking those structures is something I feel very strongly about. Um, Can I comment on that? Sure. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, too, I keep thinking of the city employees um, and what kind of a culture this creates for them when so many of the residents question... um, whether there's some some citywide conspiracy to eliminate them as a resident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I always think about people first. Um, it's, it's who I am as a person, trying to look at um, 
look past any polarizing language and at the damage or the uh, good that it can do. And I worry about that, about um, employees in our city feeling like they're not valued for their work. And that makes me really sad. You don't want to have a chilling effect overall develop from what can be fractious election politics Mm -hmm. and these cycles of uh, churning over disagreements that when you really get down to it, like with this community plan, if you put it into the process, things will typically work out and people will get to have their time. Absolutely. Uh, And I think it's our our responsibility as residents to pursue more access to that process from earlier and earlier windows. Yeah. But that's just my belief on that. Um, Let's, let's turn maybe to uh, some of this community plan, because I think, as you mentioned, there's, there's been negatives Mm -hmm. uh, suggested about it, but we've been offering people the chance to talk about say 20 pages that they typically like Mm -hmm. a lot and want to kind of go through and talk about a little bit more a section, a focus area, a big idea. Do you have anything like that that you want to bring to the fore here? Yes. Um, I'm going to copy Pete a little bit. I listened to his interview with you. I, too, am... Don't obs- copy. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm so upset. Right. Bipartisan support for the Rails to Trails expansion um, and everything that's discussed along that. Sure. Um, I actually... I started going door-to-door not... Not when everyone did. I started in January when I decided to run. Um, And so I knocked on some doors where they were confused (laughs) why I was there um, and some who were willing to chat. And from the get-go, the very first comment I got was, I wish our community was connected to the next one via a trail. Mm. Um, And I thought, that is so simple and a lot at the same time right and we have so many gorgeous neighborhoods in hilliard that um i wouldn't feel comfortable sending my kids to run to get to right without supervision like there's not pathways and um even gravel or whatever that i don't i'm not an engineer don't know what that should really look like um so glad the city employs people who do but i think that that's something that i've seen in the plan Um, A lot of how do we build those connections into the community and between parts of our community. Um, So I love those parts of the plan. I also love the infrastructure updates. Um, And I think that it's so critical that it's done with an eye on where we want to go rather than um, keeping us where we are. And that is not to say that I have some big change in mind for development in Hilliard, but um, I think it would be really foolish to not plan for 10 years from now as we're updating infrastructure and the city's doing that. Um, And I I love that part of the plan. It's practical. It's feasible. Um, I'm also very excited about the proposals for the mixed use development. I I know I've walked right into some of the controversy, Mm. um, but I support incubating businesses and the city also has made that a priority. We have all of these great incubation spots, um, you know, and uh, focus on technology. I would not not love to see more data centers, but maybe that's selfish of me. If we need it, we need it, right? Um, well, they they fit a very uh, specific economic block. Yes. That <clears throat> given much? the maturation of some of these tiffs and how these things are coming off of those finance agreements Mm -hmm. and becoming full freight taxpayers that sounds really great 
uh, and I'm all for that. I think the idea that we can accurately anticipate economic conditions in the United States of America over a 30-year time horizon is not very um, rooted in fact. Right. Uh, But I love a good dreamer. Hey, well, (laughs) you know, aspirations are nice. Um, Maybe we'll go seven or eight years without uh, torpedoing the economy this time. Uh, but what was I, what was I discussing? I'm we were sorry. talking about, no, it's fine. Uh, I tend to get, I'm trying to make, uh, successful transitions between certain topics and I am more or less succeeding. The public health budget for mm-hmm. the city of Hilliard is very small mm-hmm. dollar wise. What I have been told in the past is that's because we only function as a small portion of the overall resources expected to operate the larger health uh, organizations and things like that. Mm-hmm. That being said, a hundred people a week use the food pantry that you're going to an event for yes. later this evening that mm-hmm. just had a fire and is on the way to recovery and serves a valuable need in the community. Absolutely. But with your background and trying to advance the cause of community health centers, yes, um, those middle level services, yes, that people in America really need. Mm-hmm. I feel that are missing in a lot of places like this. What do you think is the potential or what do you think is the demand for a city like Hilliard and public health? Yes, that's a great question. And something I brought up with Miss Crandall, I asked that question. Um, Tell me about what we're doing for public health. And I don't say public health as the dirty word that I think some people view it for good reason. The pandemic was hard for all of us in a lot of different ways. I was very excited to learn about the partnership with Ohio State um, going in at the well and the different. So I had expressed, are we doing enough to care for the community in terms of offering things like nutrition and cooking classes that are affordable and available to people? Are we um, offering community garden opportunities? Are we doing things for uh, restorative therapy and physical therapy? Are we doing enough to prioritize the mental health and wellness of everyone who lives here and combat any substance use? Um, Because that's in every community, you know, no matter how good you do things, um, disease is disease. I was just going to also suggest that it might be a commercial development component that people don't really look at mm-hmm. in that those services attract a lot of professionals. They yes. they do a lot of things for and in the community and an increased budget where the city is expected to be an economic driver and expected to pick winners and losers in some respects when it comes to resources that can be provided uh, I think public health is a crying need mm-hmm. and it might, you know, help work in tandem with some of those police resources yes. that we were talking about earlier. Can you talk about the dynamic there maybe a little bit as well? Sure. Um, so I and we organizationally, but I'll say myself just as a human, um, I believe that public health and public safety are intertwined. Um, and I say that not only because um, police, Emergency services of all kinds, they are they are public servants um, and they're public caretakers. And we need to make sure we're taking care of them as they take care of us. Um, we also need to make sure that we're not asking too much of folks. I think that's true. Um, you know, I'm not running for school board, but I think we ask too much of teachers. Um, I love my son is at Avery Elementary School and he was working through a friendship. Um, he's in first grade and 
um, very normal, right? Like where they are hot and cold. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think they bicker because they're the same, right? Um, and in first grade, that's when you learn the skills to manage that. And I was levels. there are y- levels to this game. It doesn't always go to Lego fight. <laughs> Some of us are still learning, <laughs> right? Um, but at least the building blocks start in elementary school and so I was speaking with his teacher and asking what we can be doing at home to help support their friendship and she said how do you feel about we have a counselor how would you feel about you know if we had her just kind of help him with some different strategies for communicating and coping what a beautiful opportunity I gotta tell you as a parent sometimes you you have to recognize that the most resistance is built up between the people who know each other the best yes because we know how to work through all those resistances so we have to have uh, thick shells so trying to get your own child to do something yes or to take good advice mm-hmm. can be uh, mightily difficult yeah and that uh, that those services are available <laughs> yeah. and offered yeah. from a very well-rooted yeah. and understood yeah. professional yes. and credentialed person. That's that. I think that's something to strive for. Please keep keep going if you'd like. Continue on this 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 path of conversation. I enjoy the the synthesis talk about public health and in some of those well-being services. Please. Yeah, I'm just a believer in the whole person, um, and I figured that yes, if my son is struggling with worrying about what his friend is doing rather than listening to the lecture on—I'm sure they don't lecture in first grade—but the lesson <laughs> on um, you know literacy and reading, then he's not retaining that material. Um, and unless we're caring for him as a whole person, he's not going to be able to reach his full potential. Um, I think that's true for all of us at every age in our society. And that's how I view public health is caring for people. You know, we say all the time, it's not just to survive, but to thrive and thriving for me and thriving for Jordan might look very differently. I would assume perhaps it does you would probably be correct (laughs) and (laughs) so we have different needs right we'll have different public health needs we will have different social emotional needs um and i think that there's a really bright future here in hilliard with uh you know miss crandall and the people who are in charge where they see that residents have different needs i think that's come out to light um I'm going to bring it back to the community plan. I'm going to do it because there were different communication needs in certain parts of our city. And we didn't know that until you know it. Mm. Right. But I think that the conflict right now is illustrating that there were different needs of some residents for how they got the information about either how they could participate or what was passed, what it does do, what it doesn't do. And all of that to me is the whole picture of caring for the community. Right. And it never ends. I go on and on about how the, these cities are not going away. Uh, right. We have an obligation to treat it as an ongoing commitment and not a, uh, a done-in-one kind of scenario. Guys, Kevin, I would like to turn to you for a question or Tim for a follow-up question. I feel I've monopolized uh, the center portion of the interview as usual. If elected, you'll be in the uh, unique position or in the – responsible position uh, to you know, bring forth legislation, to bring forward ideas to a larger audience, and to be able to solicit support from fellow council members. Do you have any initiatives or goals or things you're considering uh, that you might bring forward um, at the start of a new term? Yeah. Um, first, I, I think I'll need to learn 
Um, I think that that's something that perhaps when folks promise big ideas, they forget that um, the reality of being in the position and fully understanding what council can do and what council cannot do. Um, so I actually asked Miss Crandall, I was sharing with her some of the things I was most interested in um, that I shared with you about doing like resident advisory groups and perhaps some kind of a youth commission. Um, and she said, you know, while those aren't monetary, maybe that's something you would want to do as a resolution. Um, and I thought, oh yeah, that's absolutely something I would love to do as a resolution. Um, so I've started building relationships where where folks are open to it um, currently on council. Um, and I hope to keep learning about their other priorities um, and areas where we can collaborate. But I'm hopeful that it's not a unique idea that we need to engage with residents in a more robust way um, and that we can all agree for a path forward. That's a priority I have. Um, I've actually been speaking with, um, you know, I, I've been knocking doors over by the Nor Islamic Center. Um, mm -hmm. And what I've been hearing is that um, there is a desire to show more of the different cultures that are present, present, not present, excuse me, in Hilliard. Um, so I attended the We Are Hilliard event that was in, I think, February um, at one of the high schools, Darby. And it was awesome. Um, there were like 30 or 40, sorry, there's a bug, um, 30 or 40 different uh, tables with different origins for students and their families. And they showed there was food and dance and um, dress and cultural practices. And from what I'm hearing is there's a desire in um, some new Americans in our community who would love to see that on a larger scale in the city. And that is something that I would love to be part of championing. I think it's so important for us to learn more about each other because that's the only way we'll build sturdy common ground. Yeah. Hilliard needs a sister city. Oh. We could maybe get one internationally, but not get swindled. We can't get swindled. That would be bad. Yeah, there have been some financial crimes committed via uh, sister, sister city fraud. I think we have one in Italy. In financial Italy? crimes yeah. or a sister you know, city? Yeah, let's be, let's be clear. Yeah. Just, That'd be nice. To Google that. Yeah, let's we got to figure Kyrgyzstan. that out. That feels, <laughs> like, that feels like an oh, old Christopher Roger Columbus. Reynolds relationship. I think there's a one in Italy. Oh, yeah. oh. Sorry, we're on a whole no, side yeah. conversation here. I think, I think Columbus has a sister city over in my old country. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, uh, sure we do. Christopher Columbus was Genoan. He wasn't actually. Uh, yeah. I think that's a sister city is Genoa. Well, there you go. They've got, uh, uh, maybe we need a field trip. And just bring recent. back some cured meats. Right? Yeah. Maybe the podcast needs a field trip. What are you saying? I'm happy to tag <laughs> along. <laughs> well, it was funny. I was just going to kind of tie things up with the idea that uh, in a town like this, with uh, diversity climbing and, and more people joining the overall community, that's mostly represented in the youth of the of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, you see it most strongly in those mixing areas where you've got places like public school and it, tying it back to one of your first statements is that it's kind of like travel mm -hmm. in that you broaden your perspective when you mm -hmm. realize you're not the only person with a thought in their yes. head uh, and that those thoughts come from different places, traditions, uh, experiences, and hopes and aspirations for the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, seeking ways for that to be a, a collaborative and uh, enlightening experience all up and down the chain of our city's populations is a nice and, and positive thought 
uh, to end on and seeking ways to make that happen. Those neighborhood planning groups uh, would bring go. a lot of people into those recurring contact relationships. Mm. But Wrapping up with yeah, yeah, educational lesson. Please. <laughs> Genoa is indeed a sister city of Columbus. I think this is according to LinkedIn, it looks I'm like. I stumbled. We were in Hilliard. 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 There was an ad that oh, labeled Hilliard me as Team Columbus. Correct. Hilliard doesn't have a sister city. Right. Yeah, the way, the way this political campaign is going, a lot of people already <laughs> think Columbus is Hilliard's yes. sister city. <laughs> Please do not label me as that. So, I am Hilliard not does Team not Columbus. Have a sister city. <laughs> we need a new sister city just for Hilliard. <laughs> We need a nuclear reactor. Tim has been on the uh, the nuclear deterrent um, nuclear deterrent kick the last couple of episodes. Have you brought that to council? Not we'll yet. We'll do it soon. I think a municipal nuclear power plant will serve as a wonderful deterrent to the city of Columbus. The next meeting, I think, is in another week. Would love to be there in support. Uh, <laughs> not supporting the initiative, let me be clear. In just, support of you as a human, bringing that forward. psychological support <laughs> might be needed. Let's get working on that public health budget post-haste. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other Sure, question. go ahead, Kevin, as please. As we wrap up. Uh, this is somewhat repeating what occurred at the candidates' night that the League of Women Voters oh, no. of Metropolitan Columbus. Oh. No, just summarize uh, for the listeners uh, your campaign goals as you go door to door, as you have. You know, why, you know, why should residents? Why should? Why should you get the vote from the people who are, who are going to the polls on November seventh? Yeah. Why should they vote for you? Yeah, um, I'm a working mom with the hard skills and the heart skills. I have the educational background for this job. I have a master's in public administration, a bachelor's in economics, and a bachelor's in political science. Um, I have... Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> now, you're the one who brought in music. See, I wasn't going to do music. <laughs> Music this I podcast. don't get the music question. Uh, I just get asked to give my stump speech. Other people were asked to get the music. We'll, 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 get, we'll, we'll get to that for the last three you minutes. You've got no. precious yes. dwindling time. I, I've, got, I've got a last question. All right. You've, All right. Got, you've got a degree in economics. Yes. Who are your favorite economists? Oh, oh. I'm not answering that question. Right. Come on. <laughs> we know you're a sports about? fan. We know you're I a sports, am a sports fan. Because I'll be going to the Blue Jackets game here when I leave here. I'm a big sports and, fan. And we'll see what kind of train wreck I presume that the Blue Jackets are going to start. Maybe they'll maybe they oh won't. My, they won't. Do you know my dream job? Um, and this was back when I was 10. Um, I absolutely wanted to be Jerry Maguire. I uh, wanted to be Jerry Maguire so badly. I was like, yes, that is the job for me. And my parents were like, oh, no, it's pilot. not. You will be so frustrated with <laughs> some of the personal dynamics in that job. And so I'm here instead running for Hilliard City Council because I believe that all people should have the opportunity to thrive in their community. And I believe in fact-based decision-making. And I'll bring integrity to the office. That's why you should vote for me. Brought it all the way back to the stump speech after that landmine of a digression <laughs> that you threw in the middle of there. It was a well done. We'll talk about that once I turn it off. All right. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of, thank you for your time and attention. And goodbye.